The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Welcome to episode 63 of the Neat Glass Sponsored Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today we're continuing our trilogy of episodes tracking the progression of America's favorite spirit. Last time in episode 62, we covered the very beginnings of whiskey making in America, focusing... Uh, sorry. I was remembering the first episode. Oh, I see. I got you. The very beginnings of whiskey making in America, focusing on two unaged progenitors of bourbon, the absolutely terrible moonshine, and the not so good, but also not so bad, white dog. But this is Bourbon Evolution 2, where things develop away from the pre-revolutionary farms and illegal backcountry woods distilling into the more modern operations that began to utilize barrels for aging, exemplified in two styles that are almost, but not quite, bourbon, corn whiskey and light whiskey. And joining us tonight, in what we hope is a tastier effort this time, are Sherpa Gabe. Hey. And Jeff, the knight who says neat. Yes. But now, Ed's here to tell us which three quasi-bourbon expressions we'll be describing and imbibing tonight. Yeah, thanks, Scott. So in the round one, we have an unaged corn whiskey. We're going to discuss what corn whiskey is, of course. And then we're going to taste the Stillhouse corn whiskey, which comes in a metal can, which I've seen for years. And I've yeah. always been curious of, but never that curious. Yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and here we have it. It's 80 proof. It's 100% corn whiskey. And it is clear to the sight. Yeah. Uh, round two, we're going to jump into aged corn whiskey, which brings us to a very popular one. All right, we're going to talk about how did barrel charring become a thing, and then we're going to taste the very popular mellow corn, bottle and bond corn whiskey, which is, of course, 100 proof. It's very well known. It's got quite a cult following. We've never done it on the podcast, so we'll do that. And then finally, for round three, light whiskey, we're going to talk about what is light whiskey. Yeah. And then we're able to taste the cat's eye obtainium light whiskey, uh, Benash barrel pick, by the way. A very, very powerful 135.6 proof, and it is said to be very good. So, yeah. so there is a, a reward at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, here. there is a light at the end of this That's terrible, smelly, long tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> First, I'm going to tell you what He's corn whiskey Scott, is. What, Scott, what is corn whiskey? Yeah. Is <laughs> well, it like cornholio? Cornholio. I need TP for my bungalow. <laughs> no, corn whiskey is not like cornholio. Okay. So basically... 
Before there was even a legal definition, corn whiskey and moonshine were sometimes really the same thing, or at least the distinction wasn't very clear. As we discussed in the last episode, people in the 17 and 1800s were making their own alcohol with just whatever was available, all manner of fruits, grains, and even straight up sugar. But really, corn was king because it was easy to grow in the fertile soil and warm climate and the yeast that's just in the air all around us readily converts corn's high sugar content into alcohol. In fact, the terrible moonshine that we drank last time was made with mostly corn, as was the white dog. So if moonshine was usually made from mostly corn and corn whiskey is made from mostly corn and bourbon is made from mostly corn, what is the difference. Well, it all comes down to two legislative acts that enshrined legal definitions that are still in force today. First, the legal definition of what a whiskey was was created by the Food and Pure Drug Act of 1906, but rectifiers and distillers weren't happy with that, and a few years later, in 1909, President William Howard Taft clarified what whiskey should be in what's become known as the Taft Decision, and everyone pretty much just accepted it. The second and arguably more important legislation was the Federal Alcohol Administration Act of 1935, which gave us most of the rules for what various whiskey styles should be, including bourbon and corn whiskey. So, it would be instructive to go over what bourbon is and then tell you what corn whiskey is. So, bourbon, as we've discussed before, has five rules. And the rules are, it has to be a mash of at least 51% corn, aged in a new char oak barrel, distilled to no more than 160 proof, barreled at no more than 125 proof, and bottled at no less than 80 proof with no additives. Now, Moonshine had no rules. So they could mash anything and nobody was keeping track of proofs because it was somebody's back porch mm -hmm. and it was not aged. But corn. Remember when you were young, you could smash anything you wanted? Remember <laughs> that? Remember how much fun that was, everybody? Wow. Wow. And then you got married and then you can't smash you anything. You got married and then like you got divorced and then you're old and you don't know what to do now. Right. And you maybe can't smash it's anymore. Like so much work anymore. I'm like 90 seconds and my arms get tired. It's just me. I took this personal. Never mind. Go ahead, Scott. What are you saying? Corn whiskey. Uh, so the corn whiskey. So the difference between corn and bourbon. So the corn whiskey has to be at least 80% corn. Mm -hmm. Now, all of the same proofing restrictions are the same, but the very salient difference is it doesn't have to be aged, which is what we have in our number one glass, the Guys, still house from the here. can. We were all like, wait, what? But it can be aged. But if it's aged, it can't be in a new charred oak barrel. It must be in new uncharred oak or used oak. Oh. And that's the difference Understand? between what a corn whiskey and a bourbon is. All right, so, but the mellow yellow that we're going to taste in the second round is bottle and bond. So that has bottle and bond rules. Bottle and bond rules, but that has nothing to do with what it's aged that, in. It just shows it's 100 proof. Okay, I get that. Yeah. See, it's it a, had to be four years. Is it, it aged four years? Yes. So light, it only gets the barrel from like a regular wood. Well, actually, the mellow corn, what we're going to get to, is actually aged in used barrels. So it's either new, uncharred, or used. Hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah, so that's the difference. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. And in fact, corn whiskey is the only whiskey in America that you can call a whiskey and have it still unaged mm. without like the qualifiers of white whiskey or unaged whiskey. Oh, or interesting. Something like that. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm learning stuff here tonight. That's it. So uh, Gabe is going to tell us about this hopefully not terrible, but probably no. terrible <laughs> Stillhouse whiskey. In the Stillhouse corn whiskey in the lovely aluminum can looks like a kerosene thing yeah, like used does. for your looks barbecue like we're going grill. camping. Okay, founded in 2016 by entrepreneur Brad Beckerman, Stillhouse Spirits Company is a spirits industry disruptor mm. and innovator in the clear whiskey category that pays homage to the original spirited entrepreneurs and hustlers, aka moonshiners, by cutting against the grain made from estate-grown corn 
Stillhouse Original is distilled in authentic copper whiskey stills, then charcoal filtered for superior quality and taste. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Stillhouse also <laughs> blends its gluten-free, mm. yeah, get that in there, original recipe with bold, all-natural flavors to make its apple crisp, peach tea, coconut, mint chip, and red-hot whiskey. Revolutionary from the inside out, Stillhouse is one-of-a-kind, daring red, mm. and 100% stainless steel container demonstrates its cutting-edge approach, which differentiates it from anything else. Mm. The unbreakable package extends celebrations beyond the typical bar settings into the outdoors. From backyard barbecue to tailgate party to beach bonfire, Stillhouse travels where glass can't go, so you can drag it to the ends of the earth. And maybe drag is probably the right word yeah, to use. Yeah, here. if you want to drink bad whiskey in a pool, this is what you want to. <laughs> this is what you want to bring with you. It won't shatter. <laughs> All right, so this is proof of eighty. So pretty light. Mm-hmm. Mass bill is one hundred percent corn. The company is Stillhouse Spirits in Coral Gables, Florida. The source distiller is an undisclosed Virginia and Kentucky distillers. Uh, so that's, that's no blend. Wa- nobody wants to take credit for this, <laughs> right? <laughs> or blame. Yeah, like, we will give it to you if you don't tell anybody it's ours. Yeah, the price MSRP is about twenty eight. Ed, yeah, how much? Right is, about uh, there. Okay, I was going to yeah. say thirty bucks. Okay, I, gonna, I think I spent right around twenty eight, twenty nine dollars. That's but if you take the aluminum back, you can probably get six, seven bucks for it in the uh, recycling. <laughs> You could bang these into braces. <laughs> <laughs> Should I take the tasting notes? Yeah, no, no, no not, not yet. yet. Yeah, let, let us get our own. Yeah, 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 don't, don't look at the tasting notes right, yet. On the nose, because it's probably not. On the nose, I, I, I back tasting up. Tasting notes, awful. I, I back up Gabe's kerosene, <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting flashbacks <laughs> to the moonshine. Yeah, but you know what? Oh, it, shit. To me, oh, oh, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good. But Jesus. to me, at least at what I'm remembering, it does smell that it smells like child abuse. The smallest <laughs> amount better than the terrible moonshine that we had. The smallest. Uh, amount. The, I mean, that's fair. I'm going to say it again. It smells <sighs> like a bad silver tequila. Like a, even worse. Like there's like some sort of sweet syrup. If you drank silver smell at the yeah. beginning, yeah. If you drank that, silver, which is not a good thing. It, well, it's got to be the corn, right? It, it smells like if you drank yeah, a silver tequila yeah, and then hurled it up, corn and then I beginning. smelled it. Here's what's coming into my head. When I was a younger kid, we used to have wooden floors in my house growing up. Uh, occasionally, <laughs> one of us would be running around barefoot like a dumbass. Uh, oh, no. We would get a splinter in our foot, <laughs> and my, my dad would be the armchair surgeon that he was. Mm. He would get a tweezers, and he would get a, a needle, and yeah. he would get his lighter and sterilize the needle, and he would take some isopropyl alcohol to sterilize the needle and her foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I'm getting from this smell. Yeah. And then the whole family would gather around and watch us suffer as we dug out (laughs) a a splinter out of the bottom of our foot, which was great. Yeah, it has a pure alcohol scent to it. Thank you, Gabe, for taking us into your your family memories. Everyone gather around. We're going to dig out a splinter out of Gabe's foot. Everyone watch. (laughs) This is before Netflix. (laughs) Saturday Night Splinter Extrusion. That's what people did in the 80s. Oh, that's horrible. Oh God! You know what? I don't think it's all that bad. Well, not, I, why do I not think it's all that bad? I think were, it's because terrible. I'm not scarred by the moonshine. Yeah, I'm afraid right. to taste it. How's yeah. that? Yeah, how's that for my tasting? Well, you guys, well, there you go. I'm you guys had, wait, you guys had the moonshine to prime you for this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all did. right, so well, then you'll find this is better. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to do it. Uh, tasting uh, note number uh, one: uh, wretch, 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 wretch. Wow. I, all right, that was bad. But hold up. 
It, yeah, again, mm-hmm. it's not good. But this mm-hmm. is head and shoulders above the moonshine. Oh, yeah. The moonshine is awful. I think the nose is worse than the taste. Oh, yeah. The taste is not good, but it's not as bad as I, smelling. Uh, I also agree, and I didn't really mind it so much. I've absolutely tempered my expectations here. Yeah. All right, so it's... um. I mean, it's sweet. I, I smell sweet and vinyl on the nose. Yeah, um, yeah. Latex. It's a sweet corn vinyl siding yeah. that I licked. Excellent. That's right on the nose, vinyl. Oof. Yeah. Okay, there, there's a little bit of licorice in there. Not your typical... Interesting. Like, so licorice was something that Sue tasted on the moonshine, and then Ed and I tasted on the white dog. So I'm going to go back and try to taste that because I think that's a weird property of these unaged whiskeys. It's a chemically tasting licorice. It's not yeah. like candied. It's not a good licorice. Yeah, it's, it's like something that would remove gum from like a leather jacket or something. Yeah, like, if somebody gets gum in their hair. Take paint yeah. off your car is what it would do. You peanut butter in this, get it out of the girl's hair. Yeah, would it, take, it would take my joy off life. It would, it, would, it would remove my joy. It already has. It already has. It's a joy extractor. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Well, fun sucker. I honestly don't have much more tasting notes than just a, like a generic sweetness and just an awful vinyl. It's got no tasting notes about it. It's more like you would find something in a doctor's office. Right. I'm the, not looking forward right. to this by the your, smell of it alone. Right. Your barber would put his combs in there. <laughs> Barbicide. I think I'd, I'd want to drink that blue fluid before this again. I'll oh, tell yeah, you yeah. that. All right, yeah. so, what, what, so what, what did what Break and Bourbon say? Yeah. All right. According to Breaking Bourbon, the nose is young, oily corn. Ooh. Okay. Instantly noticeable. Maybe not. Maybe yes. Combined with a touch of ethanol, I'll give you that. Yep. If you're wondering if there's any more depth <laughs> to it than that, there isn't. There we go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> on the palate, as on the nose, thin, sweet corn and ethanol are noticeable and stay noticeable with nothing else. It's not a horrid sip you want to spit out, but it does leave a ton to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. The finish. That's what Scott said, really. Yeah. The sip ends with an instantaneous dash of corn, followed by a lingering amount of heat and regret. Yeah, I'm right. I mean, there's not much there. I'm surprised there. he's not mentioning latex or something or like like oil. yeah. It does take almost like an oily flavor or like smell. Petroleum. Yes, right. Yeah, I'm like tar or asphalt. That kind of almost a, like a whiff of that, like a pavement. It is so close to the. You know, it tastes like watered down moonshine. Yeah. Like it, it we tastes poured water like, in it. Yep. it. It tastes like there's industrial components about it. Well, maybe because Climax was what? Pretty it was high. 90, I think. And then the White Dog was 120. 100 and something, yeah. Oh, yeah. It so, was. Yeah, it was really high. Yeah, and if we lived in the hills of West Virginia, I could live on White Dog. Right, if, if there was nothing else. I couldn't live on the Climax. No. All right, so we, we're done with this, right? This yep. is not good. Yep. I mean, I don't absolutely yeah. hate it like no, I hated no, no, the moonshine, no, no. but I'm not going to drink it yeah, again. Yeah, like I can see the people <laughs> that, remember back in the day, they always had them ceramic jugs with like their one finger cooked in it. Yeah, yeah. They, yep. they take the backward sip and this is what they were drinking. This is a, you know, West Virginia corn whiskey. That's Oof. what this is. Yeah. And you know what? It puts hair on your chest and it gets you where you need to go. There it is. All right. We'll be back with a real short break. And we're going to come back with that aged corn whiskey, the mellow corn bottle and bond from Heaven Hill. Round two. Okay, so we are back, and we're going to do the mellow corn. But first, I'm going to have just a few paragraphs on barrel charring because I found out some new information that I never knew about barrel charring. Dun, dun, dun. 
<laughs> in uh, my research for this, and since we are now finally transitioning to a barrel-finished spirit, this is from an article titled, Who Charred the First Barrel? Mm. on Angel Envy's website and a 2019 blog post by Ellen Terrell titled, Charring Oak Barrels Was No Accident, It Was Science. <laughs> science. It's like magic, but real. (laughs) (laughs) No one really knows exactly when charring barrels began. Even well-regarded whiskey historians don't claim to know for certain. Nobody knows who charred the barrel. Nobody knows who charred them first. (laughs) But what almost everyone agrees on is that no matter how it started, it's been a good thing. But why is barrel charring such a good thing? Well, as always, it's science, bitches. In the late 1700s, scientists in England were trying to figure out ways to preserve fresh water on long sea voyages, and a pair of chemistry articles published in the early 1800s advised that, quote, the process of carbonizing the inner surface of casks may also afford advantages for the preservation of wines, and, quote, that charring is much recommended for all casks which are to contain liquors. Mm. But it wasn't only a means of preservation. Early chemists had previously noted that storing French brandy in oak cask imparted more color and improved its flavor so much that they were already devising ways of imparting the oaky characteristics to other liquors as well. Indeed, as early as 1757, a publication titled The Complete Distiller had been advising that, quote, the mighty secret ingredient from whence French brandy acquires its color comes from the oak in which it rests. So this begs the question, how did the French discover this? Well, it's possible that charring was simply a byproduct of coopering practices during which the interior of a stave would be toasted in order to make it more pliable Mm. and thus able to be bent inward. Over Mm. time, distillers might have noticed that the heavier levels of toasting imparted better flavors to their spirits. From there, it's not unreasonable to assume that the practice would have made its way to America along with the Scotch and Irish immigrants who we talked about last time. It's even possible that American distillers began to char their barrels like the cognac producers in France in order to appeal directly to the French settlers in New Orleans where the whiskey was often shipped. Another popular theory is a little less savory. Hundreds of years ago, it was common practice for distillers to reuse old barrels, sometimes other spirits for sure, but also barrels that might have stored things like pickles, fish, or even hog parts. So in order to rid the barrels of any offensive flavors, distillers would deeply try the interiors to avoid contaminating their spirits with those briny, fishy, and piggy-forward notes. But whatever the case, by the end of the 19th century, the process of making whiskey with oak barrels, particularly charred oak barrels, was being used almost universally in American distilling industry. Wow. So you're saying that they would char them to get the bends in the, the barrels? Yeah, they would like toast them to bend them. And maybe they, some of that toasting. Like Beckham? Imparted bender like Beckham. <laughs> yeah, so, so your whiskey didn't taste like pig penis. You yeah. Would, yeah. Char well, the. Yeah, that, that's understandable. Char the. And the nobody barrels. wants that. You would right. you would think that. Is that where Whistle Pig came from? Yeah, Whistle Pig. At <laughs> <laughs> the Stillhouse town, it tastes like pig pigness. I mean, <laughs> would, wouldn't you think that charring the wood would make it more brittle, though, when you're trying to make a barrel? Well, I guess you just char it enough so that it bends into the okay. shape of a barrel. Mm-hmm. I guess the French kind of started it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, so well, that don't, was don't the, give them that much credit, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got the, uh, the, the mellow corn. We got the mellow corn, and Jeff has a description for us. Okay. All right. All right, Jeff, give us good oral. Go ahead. (laughs) Much later. (laughs) First produced in 1945 by the Medley Distilling Company, the Mellow Corn brand was bought by Heaven Hill in 1993. 
The mm. bottled and bond corn whiskey is produced in accordance with a unique set of regulations that define straight corn whiskey. Distilled from a mash of at least 80% corn and aged by their own once used bourbon barrels compared to the deep amber color. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you like it deep? Yeah, I do. Uh, Created by newly <laughs> charred amber. oak barrels in Heaven Hill's other whiskeys. The result of the used barrel, sloppy seconds, is a lighter <laughs> straw-colored spirit. Not only is mellow corn a staple at liquor stores across the country, it also has an almost cult-like following of devotees. Mm. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And it's the only <laughs> bottle and bond corn whiskey available in the world. The world. In the world. Dun, 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 dun. World, world, world. So its proof is 100? The age is four years, as it must be to be bottled and bond. They aged this in ex Evan Williams barrels. Interesting. So those barrels would have been charred, though. So they they were, but they, they were used already. Right. I, I got you. I got yeah. you. Right. The Evan Williams would have got the best of it. Yeah. Simply the best, the best, the best, the best of. <laughs> Got a lot of crickets today, yeah, there, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're singing a lot today. Well, we're paying them, and they're not doing. <laughs> That's true. We haven't done shit until me. So, um, so the mash bill is ninety percent corn and ten percent rye, plus a little bit of malted barley. Interesting. So it's not one hundred percent corn. Yeah, no, our episode's a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> but it is at least 80. So well, apparently the website used to say this was 80% corn, 8% rye, 12% malted barley, but it no longer does. So I don't know what the story is there. The distiller is Heaven Hill. Uh, and price is like 18 bucks. And Heaven wow. Hill, I mean, we talk about what's our favorite distillery. Just Because when you're a degenerate alcoholic or we are, <laughs> we like, like, all right, if you could only have one distillery. I've many times said Heaven Hill would work for me. It's got the Larson Bauer proof. It's got the Evan Williams. It's got Elijah Craig, Pikesville rye, the Rittenhouse rye. Of course, the Larceny, which is the wheat of bourbon, the regular and the barrel proof. It also has a Bernheim wheat. And then it's got this one. Right? Yeah, they got like four or five bottle and bonds. It's crazy. Yeah, they get right. I didn't get to the Old Fitzgerald and I didn't get to the Heaven Hill barrel and bond. Sure. They have a lot of different ones, right? And the Fighting Cock. Right, they have Fighting Cock. I didn't know they had Fighting Cock. Yeah, yeah. So this one definitely smells a lot more approachable. This smells like a regular bourbon to me. Right. Yeah. Yes, very. Very, very benign, actually. Yeah, it's not the awfulness that we've had earlier right. with the Stillhouse taste, and last I taste, episode. I taste corn. I mean, I smell a little corn, a little vanilla. Yeah. Oak. I yeah. mean, nothing really complex. No, very simple. I mean, I am getting a mm. tiny bit of cinnamon on the scent. All right. Oh, Ooh. that's a little bit rude on the taste. It's yeah. harsh. A little yeah. harsh. Ooh, a little, exactly. A little harsh. Definitely harsh. Catch off guard. It's, it's it, a lack of complexity. Yeah. All the flavors hit me separately on the first sip. I've tried again, but I mean, it was like, there's corn, there's vanilla, and there's proof, like ethanol. And the finish is very quick. Quick. Like, like, yeah. Like right. it, quick. it goes by really fast, right. and it leaves sort of like a watery right. quality on her tongue for 100 proof. Yeah. It's like yeah, like how Gabe finishes, just like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's very raw. It's not <laughs> complex whatsoever. No, but for $18 a bottle, I mean, you, you got changed left over from a 20 to buy a salted pack of peanuts at the uh, register. Yeah. And, and, and that's you, where they're going for this. You said peanuts, right. and now I taste peanuts. Right. It's a huge step up from the stillhouse, that's oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just aging. So basically, these are very similar mash. Yeah. You know, 100% corn, 90% corn. But aging it, God. What a difference. What that aging. does to it. Aging you know, makes a big difference. You say this has a cult following. Where, where is this cult? And oh, no, where, no, how it, do I avoid it? it? No, it does. <laughs> it does. People <laughs> well, freaking love this stuff. I mean, I mean honestly, I see that. $20, I mean, like. It's it, probably in a walled community somewhere in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Like somewhere like on the set of The Last of us 
in like the Baltimore oh, LZ. No. You talking with like turrets and guns on top? Yeah. yeah. To keep the unwanted out. Yeah. I mean, not for anything, but the, the bottle itself and the color, it's very reminiscent it's, of like a cooking oil. It's very urine. <laughs> but at the price point they're bringing, I could see it being very popular. Yeah. It's not complex, but it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's funny is I would take the Evan William bottle and bond over this for almost the same price. Sure. But if you like the corn flavor, mm. you could taste corn. It's very corn forward. Yeah. If, do you think if you did a blind tasting between the Evan Williams and this, being both bottle and bond, mm. would you be able to distinguish? I, I don't know. Oh, Scott, don't let's, know. Go, let's go to our archives and pull out the Evan Williams bottle and bond. Well, that would be a fun little us. thing to do, wouldn't it? I wish I had some. Yeah, I, don't I know. mean, that would have been a good taste comparison. Because Evan Williams, you're looking at what, 24 a bottle maybe? It should be 20. I mean, some places charge 24. I yeah. Just, I, I've seen it from 21 to 25. Yeah, they're, but they're pretty close. I've actually yeah. seen it at 18.99 this, yeah. this month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is by far the best thing we've tasted in two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not saying much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff, I think you have the tasting notes on this. So yeah. Tell us what we're supposed to taste. Okay. Here. What you're supposed to taste is nose, youthful corn scent with a healthy dose of vanilla, sweet plantains, and light oak. Okay. Sweet now, I don't, I don't taste any plantains. No. Uh, vanilla, yes. I mean, there's sweetness there, but there's no banana on that. Corn scent, Excuse me, yes. plantains aren't a banana. It's a different fucking... <laughs> wow. It's it just looks s- like a fucking banana. Unnecessary. Jesus. It's similar. It's similar. <laughs> now Ed's just splitting hairs with me, bitch. It doesn't taste no, banana-like. It tastes it plantain. Like, like you're an American. It's All a right. Mexican banana. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we definitely have to cut Mexican banana. No! That sounds offensive to me. I love Mexican bananas. <laughs> if you like Mexican bananas and getting sued all the time, if you want to come off like a bigot, I like a senorita what you thinking? <laughs> Wear a soprano all the time. Go ahead. Did, what were you saying? Jeff, Jeff, did you finish the tasting notes? <laughs> Palette, corn. Oh, there's dried, corn. Dried banana <laughs> chips. Oh, banana chips up my ass. Right? Dried. Yeah. Chips. In your face, Ed. Let him finish. Dried, healthy American banana chips, <laughs> toasted oak, and mixed nuts. The Ooh, rare mixed the, nuts. The oh. rare American banana. Mixed, girthy nuts. Girthy. Central American banana. Simple but enjoyable. Mm. All right. That's yes. Fine. Not yeah. pretentious. Sure. Yeah. And the finish. Vanilla and corn, followed by the slightest hint of fruit juice. That's mm, bullshit. Interesting. A small amount of heat, no. Mm, and yeah. a lingering corn aftertaste that continues mm. to dance in my mouth like a dirty flamenco dancer. <laughs> That's not what it says. Oh That's God. what it says. No, it's not what it says. <laughs> it absolutely says that. <laughs> Jeff is making things up, which is fine. Dance, <laughs> dancing in your mouth is uh, yeah, suspect. Yeah, I, we all felt that it dropped off really fast. There's not much to it's, this. It's uh, maybe decaying in your mouth. No, mm. no, it's not. It's really not that bad. It's it's not pleasantly simple. It, it's okay. I mean, it doesn't hurt me to drink it. I just would rather drink something else. Perfect. You got it. which the stillhouse hurts me to drink it. The mm. the mellow yeah. corn does not hurt me to drink it. I, I did a shot of it. I'm like, okay, that's great. Well, now what are we really drinking? Gabe <laughs> just poured out the stillhouse. <laughs> Oh my god, the sink's melting. <laughs> yeah. Stillhouse sounds like an annoying assistant. Like Stillhouse. It, it sounds like the kid from the, no, the what's Simpsons. Simpsons. Millhouse. Oh, Millhouse. Wait, Archer. What's Archer's uh, butler? <laughs> oh yeah, what is his butler's Mill- name? It's Woodhouse. Woodhouse. That's, that's right. it. Wow. <laughs> oh, Woodhouse. I love All that. All right. I will be right back. I'm going to try the Cat's Eye Obtainium Light Whiskey, which I've heard great things about. Yes. We are going way up the ladder in proof. It's 135.6, mm. so we're going to have to do some deep knee bends and drink some sparkling water to get ourselves ready for this. So we'll be right back. All right. <laughs> 
Okay, buddy, we're back from a short break, and uh, Scott's going to tell us what exactly is light whiskey. Yes, light whiskey. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. We've been hearing about this. Ed has been getting questions from people just randomly. Like, yeah, you, walking down the street, like, what's a light whiskey? And I start running from them. I'm not really like, sure. You I'm have like, a whiskey podcast. What whiskey, is it? You're a whiskey expert. I'm like, I don't know. And he I, runs I, faster and faster, and then they can't catch him. And then they can't alone, catch not me. The, not the Beatles. Leave me alone. <laughs> Who's not catching me? Well, I was I was, I was trying to be collegians chasing me down the street. I was trying Even to they be, could roll faster than I could run. I was trying to be complimentary for once. Oh my god. Uh, grandmothers. People in vegetative states. <laughs> coma patients right. uh, bedridden yeah. yeah i mean even people who lost a limb with the technology we have can still hawk me down oh, i've seen sure. the paralympics there's some fast hoppers there are some out there fast people out there so i give them a lot of credit right so what the heck is a light whiskey anyway go ahead scott tell us what that is here we go Light whiskey actually didn't have an official legal definition until 1968, wow. which is after bourbon received its designation of origin status by a congressional resolution in 1965, which made it a unique product of the United States. Light whiskey, which is sort of an in-between, a neutral grain spirit and a bourbon, was a response to the rapid decline of bourbon and whiskey sales in the 1960s that saw consumers switching to clear spirits like vodkas, rums, gins, and tequilas, basically because whiskey was seen as an old man's drink mm. but distillers had already been tinkering with this new style for a few years before that including seagram's now mgp american distilling now also mgp shenley now diageo national distillers now jim beam and publicer industries now defunct but which was located in philadelphia in the shadow of the walt whitman bridge nice wow today outside of a handful of very small craft distillers most of the light whiskey that you can find has been sourced by mgp Mm, So that's fascinating. Yeah. Including the stuff we have today. Including the stuff we have today. So just to recap what bourbon and corn whiskey was, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a mash of at least 51% corn, 80% for the corn whiskey, Mm -hmm. aged in new charred oak, unaged or new uncharred for corn whiskeys, Mm -hmm. distilled to no more than 160 proof, barreled at no more than 125 proof, Mm -hmm. and bottled at no less than 80 proof. So light whiskey rules. The mash can be any grain. Doesn't have to be corn. It could be wheat, barley, whatever. But it must be aged in new uncharred oak or used oak. So it's not new charred oak. Wow. It's distilled between 160 and 190. Wow. So it's higher than bourbon and corn whiskey. It's barreled between that same proof level, 160 and 190, also much higher because 125 is what bourbon and corn whiskey is. And it's bottled at, of course, no less than 80 proof, but it's usually bottled at over 130. So light whiskey is sort of a misnomer. It's not light because it tastes light. It's light because it looks light. All right, so they use used barrels? Used barrels. That were charred. That originally were charred but and not, had something in but it. But not new charred barrels. Correct. Right. So they're not going to have the same... Yeah, like scotch does. Right, exactly. All right. Yeah. So Ed has the cat's eye obtaining light whiskey description. In 2016, after previous experience owning another distillery, John Baker and partners founded Cat's Eye, a micro distillery that makes whiskey the right way by not cutting corners and using the best ingredients they can find. 
Their mission is to create truly epic and unique source products aged in high quality barrels from around the globe. When deciding on a name for the distillery, John's wife Linda suggested he call it something connected to his favorite hobby, astrophotography. So he named it after one of the Hubble Space Telescope's most famous pictures of deep space objects NJC-9543, better known as the Cat's Eye Nebula. So what is Obtainium? Well, exactly what the name implies. They obtain barrels from distilleries in the US, Canada, Europe, and the Caribbean to create their own blends and products that are either bottled at barrel strength or highlight signature flavors but whether it's a single barrel or a blend, no two will ever be exactly the same, which brings us to a sense of anticipation for the next one. This particular bottle has been sourced from MGP's light whiskey stocks. Cat's Eye Obtainium Whiskey resurrects a delicious whiskey style that's been mostly ignored and forgotten until now. The proof is 135.6. It's 99% <laughs> corn, 1% malted barley, aged 14 years and 15, no, nope, wow. not 15, 14 years and 11 months. They couldn't wait for it to be 15 nope. years. They couldn't wait. It was wait. so good. They were wrapped with anticipation. The Cat's Eye Distillery is a company in Bettendorf, Iowa. The source distiller is MGP. The price was $79 for me. Yeah, the Amherst is 80 so, so it's right yep. there where it needs to be. Right. And it should be the best stuff we taste tonight based on everything I've heard and the fact that I spent $80 for it. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. A lot of maltiness in the nose. Yeah, this is really complex on the nose. Mm. I'm tasting caramel. Yes. A vanilla, like candy almost. Right. There's a lot more density God, to this, the nose in that, though. Not your normal nose of caramel and vanilla. I have to tell you, I, I've never smelled anything this vanilla. I'm not getting much on the nose. Me wow. either, but what I'm getting is vanilla. Ooh. Like almost like toffee. Like Yeah. Like, yeah. So very thick smelling. Yeah, it's a very high proof. So you are still getting, even in the center of the neat glass, a lot of ethanol. It's like you took a drop of the uh, vanilla extract you used for baking. Yeah. It's very dense. I took a little tiny sip. It's very smooth for 135, but I did drop some water in because I want to open up flavors right away. Yeah, this is the one of the highest things that we've tasted on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even so, uh, tasting it straight, it does not taste 135. It's, no, it's, it's very pretty smooth. smooth. It's very smooth. I mean, the nose, I get, I get a lot of fruit. I get a lot of vanilla. I get caramel. There's deeper stuff in there. There's brown sugar. Yeah, I think that the vanilla and caramel and butterscotch even I'm tasting sure, sure. is overpowering. We have to really dig deep to get past that. Definitely baking spices up front. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and the, I get the, that. is this Canadian? No. No. Okay. No. no. I was at a uh, bottle share and somebody brought this out. And after about 20 minutes, this really kicked our ass. Yeah. So the cat's eye obtainium, they do have some Canadian expressions. Yeah. There's Canadian expressions. Oh, okay. There are. Yeah. We, we had some at Doug's just last weekend. The tasting notes that I'll go to the nose. So yeah, do the nose. Bourbon culture says butterscotch, caramel, Cream candies, vanilla custard, buttercream frosting, and a good dose of sliced red apples. Anyone mm. get red apples on the nose? No. I got no. The, Everything but that. Did I you? Got, I got the red apple. The, the caramel the, creams? The yeah. skin of the red apple. Okay. I got a funny one for the tasting palate. Butterscotch pudding, which isn't surprising. Kellogg's corn pops. <laughs> okay. Cereal. Yeah. Vanilla cake and a very light tobacco. Let's taste that and see if we get any tobacco on that. 
No, I want butterscotch pudding. Because I think that when Scott said there's something besides vanilla, I think that's what he might have been tasting. There is uh, the butterscotch is got to be the best tasting this is what, matched to a this whiskey. This is a delicious ever. whiskey. This tastes like a butterscotch candy. Yeah. It's yeah. so butterscotchy, and it's God, it's so high proof. I need to put so I much know. more water in I, this. I'm on the third yeah. uh, dose of three drops, and, and this it's still isn't, eating. Yeah, this isn't like me because I really I like <clears throat> high proof, uh, like uh, Jeff and I really do. Uh, Jeff, does this taste a little too hot for you? Because it no. tastes a little too hot for me. No, it's not. I can't say it's just right, but it's right at the top of my limit. Okay. Did you put yeah. a couple drops of water on, or I didn't? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't. But I think it might be worth it to do that because it tastes really good. Jeff, I've added five drops of Everclear with water on it. <laughs> that's right. I just think I'm Get chasing on. the butterscotch taste, mm. and that's why I'm putting more water in it. Shit, dude, this was be so good on a globe. I would sit there with like a two ounce pour and just ride this out. It's a Werther's in a glass. Motorized. Yes. When you say butterscotch, you have to be distinctive because that clear yellow stuff you get at a cheap candy store well, compared I mean, to a Werther's. It's almost like a butter rum from Lifesavers, too. Like, there, there's oh. some of that in the play. The yeah, whole, yeah, butter rum Lifesavers. Life there you go. That Absolutely. That deep caramely. Dude, it's burning a hole in my chest right now. It's fucking hot. <laughs> it's really strong. Yeah, the more water it's I put so in there, strong. It's, it's, but it, it seems but to be getting more proof. It's strong and it's powerful, but it's good. Hmm. It's good. Oh, it's very good. This is awesome. The finish, you should be tasting a beautiful toffee note, but vanishes and ending with a small amount of wood spice, pepper flakes, and chili powder for heat as it all fades away quickly. I think we got that. We yeah. all did. Yeah, if you take like a Heath bar and you, you don't chew it, you just kind of let it linger and you melt down in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, the right, chocolate's you pour, gone. Pour a bottle of ethanol on it. And, yeah, but the, like a, the toffee is there. It, it's just... It's like a Mexican Heath bar. Hey, racist. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, Mexican Heath Bar. See, what is a Mexican Heath Bar? <laughs> Mexican Heath Bar is like a Heath Bar, but you put it's chili peppers heath, in it. Heath Bar. <laughs> I want to eat a Heath Bar in America. I want a Heath Bar in America. It's, it's a, a total misnomer. Right, it's, exactly. It's incredibly dense and it's very flavorful. I think that's the point that we really want to hammer home to people with light whiskey. Light whiskey doesn't mean light. It's 135 proof. And you know, it's not even all that light it's in a color. Misnomer. No, it's, it's not. misnomer. <laughs> See, yes. But that's because it's 14 years aged. With even the, in a used barrel, wow. you're still going to get a lot of color. So did they put this in an additional barrel? 15 at, years. At, no. At Cat's Eye? No, no. So there's no pig snouts barrels uh, used before this? Pig's yeah. feet or strapple or... <laughs> no. No. Tripe. Right on the label, stored 14 years, 11 months in a used charred oak barrel, 38 of 156 bottles, bottled on 9-1-2022. Hmm. Hmm. And proofing it down, I also just came across maybe some really nice peanut brittle as well. Ooh, oh, I get brittle. I get a little peanuts on this for sure. Mm. Yep. I have proofed this now down to probably around 120, but it's yeah. really good. And it's, I have too. It's an excellent but they're whiskey. Like, I don't blame them. They're like, do what you want with it. Put it on a globe mm. and it'll be 120 eventually. I'm much more impressed with people that do that than give me an 80 whiskey that I can't do anything with. Like you have to drink it warm out of the bottle because as soon as you put an ice cube on, it's 70 and it's like too watered down, you know? <laughs> Does anyone get the chili powder or pepper flakes on the finish? I get a little heat that's reminiscent of a chili, but not really not like so an much, actual chili. Not so chili. much burn. There is some spice on the finish. Though. I, I, I yeah. know what you're saying. That the hot pepper the stuff you put on the pizza, yeah, the right. dry pepper yep. flakes, yep. it is very reminiscent of that. Yeah, back of the tongue. Yes. Very spicy. All right, so for the second episode, we found some corn whiskey, and we aged it a little bit past its moonshine stain. First one wasn't aged. 
but it was just 100% corn. And it was like kind of like, to me, I don't know much of a difference of why it wasn't a moonshine. I think Stillhouse is a version of moonshine. It's, it's definitely better than the Climax. I'll say that. Sorry, Climax, but you know you suck. Um, <laughs> Nothing's better than Climax. And then um, we drank the Mellow Corn, which was much better. And I understand why it has a following. If you like that profile, it definitely has a set flavor. Especially for the price. Yeah, I, it's a bottle and bond for $21. Yeah. We, oh we're all good with that. And then we have the wow. Obtainium Light Whiskey by Cat's Eye. And I think mm. it's a little pricey for what it is but it's still 135 proof and they're like you know throw a globe on it you know and it'll last you all night like you don't have to work hard I mean, and this. it's 14 almost 15 years age yeah 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 so i mean for a 15 year old whiskey at 135 proof i mean i guess 80 bucks is a bargain then yeah you know, with, if this was a whistle pig whiskey it sure would, it would be 175 or 250 dollars right yeah the 12 years 125 so what's the 15 like 225 mm, right 250 oh i don't know if it's that much but it's close to 200 it's these over days. 200 oh is it over 200 yeah. now oh dude. yeah Jeez. so this is 15 for 80 i guess we should be happy <laughs> right so scott anything else i'm good i don't know i mean we've wanted to do a corn whiskey episode we've wanted to do moonshine before we wanted to do light whiskeys and i kind of combined it in all this uh, bourbon trilogy next time we will absolutely be tasting delicious modern bourbons and maybe what the future of bourbon might taste right. like but this one this light whiskey is extraordinary it's spectacular and i want to thank Benash, rich and billy for putting us onto this whiskey and, i'm and so glad that i've been able to have a light whiskey yeah I, I, and we I, had this a, for a couple of months because you said it was bottled when 2022 september 1st right so we've had this for a little bit waiting to use it and this has been a great joy for me because i bought an eight dollar whiskey like a year ago and never drank it <laughs> <laughs> i know right now so do you guys want to make a cocktail yeah what, what, what do you want to make it with still house no, fuck you. The, <laughs> I call this the kitchen sink drink. I say we make a cocktail with the corn whiskey. The mellow corn to make up for the Moonhattan. Get into the kitchen, you bitch. All right, so. A fucking cocktail. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Jeff. So we will be right back and make Jeff a fucking cocktail. Bonus round. Okay, so we are back for a bonus round of a cocktail made with the mellow corn whiskey to make up for the terrible Moonhattan cocktail that I made last time with the Climax Terrible Moonshine. So we're going to hope that this is a little bit better. Uh, Siobhan has joined us. Siobhan, say hey. Hi. All right, so just on the smell, it smells much better than the Moonhattan. You guys did not smell the Moonhattan, but you, you could imagine of it. Do you have oh, a name for this? It's the Cornhattan. <laughs> wow, you really went all out of there. For I hours. did, yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> so what's in here, Scott, besides the mellow corn? Oh, your typical Cokey, Di Torino, Sweet Vermouth, and the orange Angostura bitters. And a little bit of the Luxardo Charger. On the nose, it doesn't smell bad. It smells like yeah. your, your basic Manhattan. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I just tasted it. It's mm. good. Wow. It is. <laughs> yeah. This is really good. And it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying that if you got $20 and, and you, you buy a bottle of the mellow corn, what can you do with it? Well, you could drink it straight and it's okay. Okay. But yeah. with the, you know, the makings of a nice Manhattan, it definitely pumps it up a level. 
Yeah. I, I don't prefer it to the usual way I make Manhattans, but... But it's uh, 10 proof uh, higher? Yeah, it's boozy, because like, you can taste a little bit of, like, peanut quality, which makes it taste like peanut butter and jelly sandwich Jeff, a little bit. what do you think of yours? Because yours is like, I feel like Scott gave you more than I had. <laughs> no, it's just the, the oh level of the glass. Mm. Oh, my God, Ed. <laughs> you know, it, it tastes like envy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it tastes like envy. Perfect, Jeff. It's I mean, like, Ed's glass is, is a wider base and it's, as it it's should shallower. Be. I'm a wider base, thank you. Jeff's is a lot higher, but you know, I, I believe if you really want to measure them out, they're pretty even. Wow. Well, uh, if you can't tell that we got super drunk between rounds three and the bonus round. No, we didn't. No. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a really nice Manhattan. I really Speak like for it. yourself. Oh, good. Gabe, what do you think about it? It's good. I mean, you could tell it's a lower expression of bourbon, but the uh, the bitters uh, and the... Oh and the and just said it tastes great. Can't you follow the pattern? <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck is that? Is that the Mr. Microphone? What is that? That is. Yeah, hey, good luck. I'll be back. Hey, I'll be back up. for you later. Don't you have a 500-foot rule against grade schools? I'll be back to henpeck you later. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I'll say it. Okay. It tastes good. <laughs> that, you know what? Your fans in the pine urns will appreciate that. Right. Simple right. review. This I like that it's contained in a glass, and it's got a cherry. When I get to the bottom, it's like a little prize. I got to tell you. <laughs> great drink, Scott. Thanks so much. It's a great way to end the episode, so we're going to stop it right here. Please. So... We're doing the work for you, everybody, as we take the evolution of bourbon from moonshine to corn whiskey. And please tune in for our third installment when, mm. we, when we actually get to drink bourbon. And this has definitely been less painful than the moonshine episode. We're doing this for you. We're putting our work in. <laughs> I say, if you got to dip your toe into the corn whiskey, the mellow corn is definitely worth your time. And if you can find some of the obtainium light whiskey that we got which is about $80 a bottle yeah. it's really good yeah um, find a light whiskey don't be put off by the name of it yeah it, there's not a lot out there but if you find one and it's from obtainium and it's 135.6 proof then yeah that's the one we had so <laughs> want to thank Gabe and Jeff for joining us thanks guys mm-hmm. yep thank you so for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast I'm Ed I'm Scott I'm Jeff I'm Gabe I'm Siobhan tune in next episode when we talk about how we finally get the bourbon and we're all happy <laughs> All right, appreciate y'all. Cheers. Later. Later.